Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer and an entrepreneur. My mission, what I stand for is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher. One who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and effectively so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. This mission reflects the core ways of being that I work to develop in teachers. Confidence, clarity, purpose, impact, and connection. Through my mentorship program and my premier offer called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field and beyond, and a dose of personal development. For more information on my programs, please see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 73. So I hope you're doing well, all things considered. I know that um, for me, I'm heading into day 44 of pretty much the stay-at-home order, um, even though all of that time there hasn't been a stay-at-home order, but it's really been, for me at least, the amount of time that uh, classes have been canceled and kind of the moving around has been restricted and just that greater consciousness around staying home and staying safe. And um, I hope that you're doing okay all things considered, and you're using this time however you best can. I know for a lot of you, you may be home with children and doing homeschooling, and I know that that's kind of opened up a whole new um, area of responsibility for parents, and it can be hard for them to make time for themselves in a way that they have never seen before. So if that's your experience right now, I want to just acknowledge you for all that you're doing for your children. Um, if you're someone like me who uh, lives by themselves, um, you know, my boyfriend and I don't live in the same apartment. So I do have time during the week when I don't see him to, you know, really do other things that involve investing in myself and um, investing in just the growth of the programs I'm working on and things like that. So it can be a different experience depending on your living situation. But regardless of whatever your personal situation is, I hope that on the inside, um, you feel strong. And if you don't, I would highly, highly, highly recommend meditating every day and turning off the news. I mean, quite honestly, if there's one thing I could recommend to improve your frequency, to up your frequency, to decrease your stress, it would be to completely stop watching television. I mean, I can tell you one of my most enjoyable things on Sundays 
used to be watching 60 Minutes. But as of about a month ago, I completely stopped watching 60 Minutes because every story is about the coronavirus. And I just absolutely refuse to constantly, constantly have my focus on it. And so I would say if you are feeling anxious or afraid or overwhelmed, uh, one of the best things you can do is to just stop watching television. Get your news online. Uh, it can be somewhat less inflammatory. Um, however, if you do get your news online instead of TV, I would limit when you look at a news site to once a day only. And this is pretty much where I'm at. Some days I don't look at all. And I feel tremendously better. I had um, a really big, I don't wanna say breakdown, but I had a big uh, shift about a month ago now um, from feeling really, really scared to slowly coming out of that and feeling much more empowered. And it 100% had to do with daily meditation, uh, just about every other day yoga and completely stopping uh, watching news at all and checking uh, an online site, a very bland kind of site. Um, I think I check PBS or NPR uh, only once a day, if that. So having said that, I want to just kind of talk a little bit about what I've been working on for the past few weeks. And, um, you know, a lot of this, of course, basically everything I do is really to continue to share information to you, yoga teachers who are interested in learning anatomy uh, and really even more important than learning anatomy, understanding effective and understandable ways you can share it with your students so that you can make a bigger impact when you teach. And so to that end, I've, I've really taken a close look at my signature program, the Blueprint Learning Program, and I've added a lot of really highly relevant content to it for the teachers who are enrolled in that program. They'll be able to take advantage of all of that additional information at no extra charge. Um, I've added um, modules uh, that give them an opportunity to check their knowledge to make sure as they're going through the program they are carrying over learning from one module to the next. Um, the other thing that I mentioned in, in, in the episode before that I want to tell you about that I am just super excited to roll out is my certification program. And this essentially takes graduates from my Blueprint Learning Program, offers them an opportunity to kind of next level their knowledge and growth by enrolling in my six-month mentorship. And then at completion of that, they'll be certified by me specifically in anatomy and teaching. And I wanted to create that niche certification to really acknowledge the specific work they've done around this specific set of skills. And along with that, in the mentorship and for the teachers who are enrolled in that now, I can share that they are going through personal growth in le by leaps and bounds. I've been getting emails from them talking about how they're pulling anatomy into their teaching. Of course, they're teaching online right now, but they're doing it in an effortless way that they didn't think was possible before. One of the other teachers in the program has been really making leaps and bounds on the personal development side, and her shyness around teaching is really starting to fall away, which I can tell in the practice sessions that we do. 
So the mentorship program coupled with the blueprint learning program is the basis for the certification that I'll give you in anatomy and teaching. And then once you're certified, I've outlined the yearly um, certification requirements to maintain that certification and put in that things that I know teachers will really appreciate, which is not just a certification in name only, a certification that continues to support you in uh, an ongoing way around opportunities for learning, both in-person and online learning. So I'll be doing annual retreats for certified teachers, as well as offering them yearly learning opportunities so they can continue to grow their knowledge because it's never a stagnant thing. It's something that is always um, a part of you that should be fed and should grow. So to find out more about that certification program, all you need to do is go to my website one of the best first steps you can take if you're interested is to sign up for my Blueprint Learning Programs waitlist. And you just have to do that on my website and that will put you in a great position to be first to enroll or at least find out more about what's involved in enrolling when I reopen enrollment as I do uh, pretty regularly throughout the year, but not, it's not the kind of thing that's open all the time for enrollment which is why being on the waiting list is a great strategy if you're even in the slightest bit interested. Um, the other thing that I was mentioning before that I really have found super helpful is not only daily meditation, but I've really gotten back to a home yoga practice. And I'm using a bunch of different things online, just recorded things on YouTube uh, and some of my own just you know, sequences that I do. And this has been one of the interesting things for me. And if you're a yoga teacher who has a hard time keeping a regular practice because you're teaching a lot, that's been my experience. So one of the little silver linings for me during the stay at home time has been to do more yoga. And so that's been a wonderful way to really kind of try to keep some balance. The other thing I want to mention is last week I did the second in my series of online workshops. First we covered shoulder anatomy, then last week we covered hip anatomy, and I'll be doing those at least monthly. And these are online uh, workshops. They're about two hours in length, and it's a really small investment. I think um, the last two each were $39 uh, uh, for, per ticket, per seat. So keep your eye out for those. I'll be sharing them with my VIP mailing list. That's the best way to stay up to date on the kinds of things I'm offering. And I also post it on social media. So next month, I'll be sharing what the next topic is for the next online workshop. So I want you to take a moment here to think about, think about something. I'm going to kind of pose a question to you and, and see what you think. I want you to think about the last book you bought. Did you finish it? <laughs> Do you have it kind of on a coffee table somewhere with a post-it note on the page that you ended on? Remember when you bought it all inspired for the content and maybe you did finish it, uh, although maybe it had some action steps in it. Did you take those action steps, especially if you finished the book? Did you actually do 
what the book suggested you do. Maybe it was a self-help book or maybe it was even an anatomy book that had some follow-up uh, or a yoga related book had some follow-up steps in it. Did you actually do that? What about maybe an online training you bought and you were so sure when you bought it, it would help you. Did you finish it? If not, why not? I'll bet there are all sorts of reasons why. Things that you'd say, you know, were kind of out of your control. Things about children, money, schedule, unexpected things popping up. Whatever it was, there was a real reason, right? Even on a smaller scale, I want you to think about something like a free video training. Something that overall would take you only maybe an hour to do, if that. You started the first one, maybe the second, and then you got distracted by maybe social media or your email. Pretty soon you realize you're down another rabbit hole and the training is now undone and far from the front of your mind. That motivation you had to learn what the training had to offer is now replaced by any number of things. Now, <laughs> you may be listening to this saying, why does this even matter? Well, the obvious is this. If you want to go anywhere in your life, learn anything, make any significant change in your life, in your health, in your behaviors, you're going to need to master the idea of following through. Sometimes the hard part is that we think of us as if we're standing at the bottom of the hill and we can only think of the steep climb ahead. Now, if that's the case, one helpful technique to break up that sense of overwhelm is to literally break the task up into smaller parts. James Clear, who wrote the best-selling book, Atomic Habits, which I just finished, talk about finishing a book, and I would highly recommend, he writes that small changes in context can lead to large changes in behavior over time. So here, what he's saying is he emphasizes that when we break bigger goals up into smaller parts, we will start to see things change. And even if it takes some time, those bigger changes will appear. Now, you may be listening to this thinking, what does this have to do with yoga teaching? Well, I was thinking about it the other day when I looked at the video views of my recently released free training on a system for understanding cues. And I was looking at it, um, if, if you don't know, it's, um, it's a system, it's a video training you can do and it covers the logic and the technique of using my system for understanding cues you hear. And even more importantly, cues that you use when you teach. And I thought when I was watching it, it's interesting because it's a four video series. And as I was looking at the video views, the number of views goes down as the videos advance. So like video number one has the most views and then two and three. And by the time you get to video four, video four has the least amount of views. And so I was looking at it and I was wondering, why would a teacher start a training and then stop doing it? Especially if it's a training that might answer a question that they have about their teaching. I mean, that would essentially be probably the biggest reason why they would even start it in the first place, because the title 
resonated with them. The title of understanding cues was something that they thought, yeah, this is definitely something I need. Well, it could be any of the reasons I already talked about. Maybe the person got distracted, something came up, something drew their attention away, or it could be that the teacher thought at some point before they got to the end, what's in this for me? What do I stand to gain by watching this? Now, we're going to talk about this more in a little bit, but I just want you to kind of bookmark that idea. So for now, let's apply this idea of follow through to an anatomy lesson. Let's take a look at some cues that are used in teaching and see if we can figure out the why behind the cue. So the first one is for airplane pose, right? So let's kind of start there. We're in airplane pose. And the cue is draw your shoulder blades closer together and lift from your shoulders less from your head. Now, this is something I cue a lot. And I cue it a lot because I see when people are in uh, airplane pose and I ask them to lift the front of the body, if I just phrase it like that, they'll typically just lift their head. So why do you think there's a, there's a distinction between using your shoulders to lift versus using your head to lift? Well, the answer to this lies in the system that I lay out in my training. The system suggests that first, you look at the anatomical, the anatomical action in the pose. So here in airplane, what's the anatomical action? Well, let's just look at the spine. What's the anatomical action of the spine in airplane pose? Because obviously in every yoga pose, there are a lot of anatomical actions. So here we're just gonna focus on spinal movement. So what is it? What's the anatomical action of the spine in airplane? Well, if you said extension, you're correct. So let's look at the muscles involved. What are the primary muscles of spinal extension? Well, if you said the erector spinae, you would be correct. Those primarily are the muscles of spinal extension. Now, let's look at joints that might be compromised. Now, by compromised, I mean joints that potentially could be at risk. Now, again, risk here is a little bit strong of a word, um, especially in this kind of pose. We're not talking about weight bearing on the spine, but just generally at risk, meaning something that might not be um, congruent uh, joint movement, healthy joint movement. So here, the cervical spine might be compromised. Now, why is that? Well, because the cervical spine with its smaller vertebrae have a lot more mobility than the thoracic spine with its cage-like structure, the ribs fused to the thoracic spine itself. So because of that difference, the cervical spine isn't fused to anything. I mean, obviously the head sits on the cervical spine, but there isn't that cage-like arrangement. And the bones are smaller. So therefore, the cervical spine is more likely to move and with a lot greater ease than the thoracic spine. It's just easier to move from there. So now that we've identified that the cervical spine can move easier than the thoracic spine, However, we've identified the joint action we're going for is spinal extension, not just C-spine extension. We can see that in order to get the students to use their T-spine as much as their C-spine, we're going to need to cue directly to their thoracic spine. And to do that, 
we'd have to talk to a part of the body that's anchored to the thoracic spine, and that is the shoulders. So therefore, asking them to lift from their shoulders less from their head is the cue and is the rationale behind the cue. So do you see how that works? I mean, there's more, there's more, but those are just the basics. The whole picture of how you apply this is what's in my free training uh, I was talking about. So let's do another one. So here's the cue. Uh, you're in triangle with your right foot forward. So the cue is unlock your lower knee, tuck your sitting bone under, center your kneecap, and re-straighten your leg by squeezing the muscles of your thigh. So let me say that again. Imagine yourself, you're in triangle, your right foot's forward, you're leaning to the right. Unlock your lower knee, tuck your sitting bone under, center your kneecap, and re-straighten your leg by squeezing the muscles of your thigh. Now, there's a lot going on there. So let's go back to the template. And when I say the template, I mean the template that comes with the free video training uh, on evaluating cues. So the first thing, the first thing in the template says, what is the anatomical action of the pose? Well, like all poses, there are quite a few. So here, we're gonna focus on the right hip if the right foot is forward. So what's the anatomical action of the right hip in triangle if the right foot is forward? What's the anatomical action of the right hip if the right foot is forward in triangle? So the right hip, if you said flexion and external rotation, you would be correct uh, for the hip. The right knee is in extension and most likely to some degree could be in hyperextension, too much extension, which is very common for students. When the knee is in hyperextension, the kneecap does not have a great deal of mobility because the joint is locked. And if the patella is not centered, it can create wear and tear on the knee joint because the patella is not sitting centered in the joint space and the ligaments on the sides of the knee capsule are not aligned evenly. So my next piece for understanding, my next piece, the next piece of my system for understanding cues says to look at the muscles involved. So for time's sake, we're just gonna look at the muscles concentrically contracting versus eccentrically or isometrically. And if those words are confusing for you, go back and listen to the prior episode on how muscles work. Now, so here we are, right foot's forward, we're in triangle pose. The quadriceps are working to straighten the knee. And the quadratus lumborum is working on the right side to tip the torso to the right. And the external rotators of the right hip, like the piriformis, the gemelles, and the obturator, along with the quadratus femoris, are all working to create external rotation, although to a lesser degree, the piriformis, because the hip is flexed a bit. And if all of that is gobbledygook to you, um, I understand, right? That those are a lot of muscle names you may not be familiar with. What I can do is refer you to a recent YouTube video I did on the piriformis. So that's a good, uh, a good place to start where I highlight how the piriformis changes from an external rotator to an internal rotator based upon the degree of flexion of the hip. As far as all the other things, this is what comes with dedicating your focus of training to learning anatomy. So moving on. So next my system suggests to look at the joints that might be compromised. Well, I already shared that the lower knee is possibly at risk. And why would this be? Why would the lower knee be possibly at risk? Well, 
If we look at its position relative to the position of the person as they come into the pose, that's where the answer lies. The right knee is one of the lowest points in the posture, and therefore it can take a great deal of weight of the body as the student leans to the right. So that right knee is somewhat at risk of bearing the weight of the pose if the student isn't well grounded and steady. And the joint is going to take a further beating if the student has the knee locked for all the reasons I mentioned before. And further, if the external rotators are not engaged, the muscles I mentioned before, uh, gemelli's obturator quadratus femoris, if those external rotators are not engaged and the student is coming into more of an internal rotation of that right hip, the patella will move medially and therefore won't be centered as in the true kind of straight ahead tracking we need to keep the joint healthy. Now, my system in the training covers more and you can go through the training. The link's gonna be in the uh, show notes for this podcast episode. Um, and you can go through the training to learn the rest of it. Although we have covered quite a bit here with these two cues. So you have kind of a general idea of the approach to understanding the why behind the cue. You, you start from the cue and then you work backwards to the essential components about the posture itself, anatomical actions, key muscles in actions, joints at risk, and several other pieces that are mentioned in the template you get with the training. And as I'm going through these examples, if you're starting to feel overwhelmed and you're starting to feel like, I don't really know the anatomical actions and all the poses, and I don't really know the muscles that are concentrically at work, that's where I want a bell to go off for you that it's highlighting for you a gap in your learning on anatomy around the topic of anatomy. And that's okay, because that's one of the reasons I created the training is to start to kind of lift that veil and start to empower you with not only a system to bring it to light, but a system to help you understand that there is a gap in your learning so you can make better choices going forward about the trainings you take and time and money you invest in future trainings to set yourself best for having those trainings fill in the specific knowledge gaps you have. So you can see from these two, two examples that in order to get to a point where you can understand the why behind the cue, you would have had to have completed the training in order to understand how the whole system works. So now I want to go back to my musing earlier. This was where I was sharing with you that I was thinking about why teachers might start the training and yet not finish it. Now, granted, this is a guess, although after years of training teachers, being a teacher myself, running up against these things uh, in my own kind of history of being a teacher, and again, talking to hundreds of teachers between social media, email, uh, training that I do, and hearing what gets them to a certain point in their teaching where they just feel stuck. I think I have a pretty good idea of one possible reason. They just don't think it matters. They just don't think it matters. And I don't mean they intentionally think learning anatomy doesn't matter, having this knowledge gap doesn't matter. It might not even be something they're conscious of. As in the consequence of not knowing the why 
is stronger than the desire to keep things as they are. Let me say that again. The consequence, right, the impact of not knowing is not stronger than the desire to keep things as they are. Meaning the desire to keep things as they are is the strongest desire. It's overtaking the need to know. And let me also add, like I said before, this may not be a conscious choice. You see, the mind likes to keep things as they are, right? I think there's that quote by Nin where she said, where the, the poet says, the, the effort, there's something about the, 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 the flower to bud, it's like more effort to do that than to stay as they are, but, they, but it overtook the, I'm, I know I'm mangling it. The, the point of the quote from the poem is that, you know, finally you um, created the willingness to take that step forward. That's kind of how the quote all plays out. You overtook the, with your intention, with your power, with your desire to follow through that urge to keep things as they are. Now, I'm sure in your life experience, you've probably come across this, this, you know, desire to make a change, but also kind of battling with just an interest to keep things as they are. You know, the mind doesn't like risk. It doesn't like change, even if it's for the betterment of the person. Doesn't that sound just crazy? Let me share another example about this whole thing that might make this more clear. I follow someone on social media. Um, his name is Ryan Serhant. And if you watch or have ever watched the show on Bravo, Million Dollar Listening New York, you know him as a highly successful real estate agent in the city, in New York City. And I mean, like he only deals in million dollar properties. He runs an office with over 50 agents and brings in sales annually in the billions. Now, why, why might I follow him? Well, he is the king of follow through. He's had sales now that are from clients that he's been following up with for years, just in small ways, a note here or a note there, maybe a check-in with a property listing. And then after years of follow-up, things align and the client decides to move forward. Ryan is also one of the most inspirational leaders I know, and he's always sharing ideas and challenges to most people's default position of keeping things as they are because of all the self-limiting reasons that block all of us from moving forward. Now, Ryan happens to have an online learning program for agents. Not only does he enroll hundreds of agents, all that, you know, he's enrolled hundreds of agents and always is enrolling a lot of agents, but he has an almost 100% completion rate for his online course. Now this is almost unheard of. Many people, including yoga teachers who spend money to buy my signature program, the Blueprint Learning Program, don't finish it. Now, why would someone buy my course, like invest the money and buy it, and not finish it, and buy Ryan's course and always finish it? Because the agents know that in order to make money, they need the information in his course. I mean, geez, he's even added a piece where they can get their New York real estate license at the same time they complete the course. But with yoga teachers and learning, once you're past the 200 hour quote unquote requirement that Yoga Alliance and the industry have seemingly accepted as the standard, 
what's the push for you to take on further learning? In other words, what's the consequence for not knowing? You can see in the case of a real estate agent, they can clearly link not knowing to not making money. But for a yoga teacher, what's the consequence? Is someone going to come into your classes and say you don't know what you're talking about? Will you lose teaching opportunities for not knowing the why behind the cue, for not knowing how anatomy is applied to the body? Of course not. Does that mean there's no consequence to not knowing? Of course not. The consequences though are in some ways more subtle, but in other ways quite obvious if you're looking for them. For instance, I recently asked two teachers, what do you do to prepare for a class? Now these are two teachers that do not know each other. I asked them on different days. There just happened to be, um, they were through different channels. One was through email, one was on social media. They just happened to both be getting into conversations with me where it was appropriate, the timing was right, the context was right for me to pose that question. So I said, what do you do to prepare for a class? And they both went into an elaborate description that included writing out a sequence, going through books on sequencing, going to YouTube to review videos. But first, they both, they both said this, they both needed to be sure the teacher was legit. And sometimes it took time to go through that teacher's videos or go through several videos in order to determine that. So once that was done, then the teacher would watch a bunch of videos, integrate what they pulled into their mapped out sequence. And after about three hours, they had a sequence they could teach. Hours, could be more. So what's the point? The point is when you know anatomy and you know the why behind the cues, you don't have to do any of that. The knowledge is in you and you don't need to go outside yourself to get it. Now I know there are those of you who are going to say, I like to research, I like to see what other people are doing. You know, what's the harm? This is how we grow. We, you know, and yes, of course, but don't let that be a substitute for you knowing it yourself first. And don't think that all those hours that you're spending creating those sequences isn't a consequence for you not knowing. Another consequence, not having the confidence and the courage to teach. Here's an example of that. I recently got an email from a teacher who said they had taken a 200-hour training and were actually in the middle of a second 200-hour training, and they were also interested in my blueprint learning program because they just knew they were not going to have an easy time learning anatomy. And at the end of the email, the teacher said, I hope after all this training, I will have the courage to teach. I really felt for her. I empathized with her. My heart just like swelled with just a desire to reach out to her and help her. And I have to share too that this is really common. This cycle of taking training after training, hoping that the courage will come and hoping that the confidence will come. Realize this, one of the consequences of teaching with a learning gap is that lack of confidence, that feeling of being an imposter, that funny feeling in your stomach that you get when a student asks you a question and you want to help but you're not quite sure how, that nervous laugh you have, that talking on and on and on, that being afraid to give students time in silence, that just lack of clarity around the words that you're using, that all 
comes when the baseline of knowledge is not there. So what do you do from here if any of these ideas have hit home for you? What if you're listening and you're feeling like, yes, this is how I feel. This is what I'm doing. Well, the good news is the veil has been lifted somewhat. In order to make a change, first we have to accept that what's happening now is not acceptable. Once you're there, taking a step forward is so much easier. So if that's you and you're ready for the next step, a great place to start is to take or go back and finish my free training. To get it, just check the link I've entered in the show notes or DM me on Instagram or email me. This training will walk you through more examples that, than we've done here and will explain for you the whole system. It will also give you a downloadable template. So do not forget to download that template. And that template maps out all the components of the system. And when you watch the videos, you'll need that template in front of you to help it all make sense. Now, if you want to take a further step, you could just send me an email and let's set up a time to talk about where you're at in your teaching and where you want to go. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send me an email with the subject line, I'm ready to make a change. My email is karen at barebonesyoga.com. So send me an email with the subject line, I'm ready to make a change. And that's how I'll know the veil has been lifted for you and you've decided that the cost of continuing with things as they are is greater than the cost of making a change. We all hit this point at some time in our lives. In your yoga teaching, the sooner you get to this point, the better, because that means you're coachable, you're ready to take action, you're standing up for yourself, you're ready to make an impact, and you're done playing it safe. All right, so we have reached the end of the podcast today. I wanna to be sure that if you uh, have any questions or feedback, definitely send me maybe a different email than the other one I just mentioned. So that's karen at barebonesyoga.com. And if you're interested in joining my anatomy work group, just uh, go on Facebook and search the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Work Group. Please be sure to answer the admission questions and I will process that and admit you into the group. We're almost at a thousand teachers globally. The last group of teachers I uh, got uh, processed into the group were from Italy and San Juan and the Netherlands and different states in the United States. So it's been really cool to see this little place that I have on Facebook where teachers can gather and talk about teaching and anatomy and I share different videos with different topics. So it's a nice uh, free resource along with this, the podcast, my YouTube channel, uh, and being on my VIP mailing list. So I hope you've enjoyed this. I'd love to hear what you think. I hope this has been thought provoking. I try to keep all these episodes uh, kind of somewhat in that vein to share what I'm passionate about, uh, information about my programs, my services, and it all um, is, you know, just underlying it all is just the desire to help and be of service. So have a wonderful rest of your day and I will see you here on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon.
Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my mentorship program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.